Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Nebuchadnezzar has had a really bad dream as we've been going through the book of Daniel. He has this whole dream staff that he went to and and basically says that uh, you need to interpret this dream for me, which is good because, I mean, this dream is something that just blows him away. Now, the interpreters, as we found out, cannot do this job because uh, he won't tell them what the dream is. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of odd, you know, here, interpret this to me. It'd be like, uh, here, go teach this class. I'm not going to give you any notes. Uh, you don't know what the subject is, but go ahead and teach. You know, it's kind of the same concept. And, and of course, they couldn't do it. He plays this cat and mouse game with them. And, you know, he gets very angry with them. And Daniel's friends are, are rookies on this, you know, the King's dream team here. And, uh, you know, Daniel winds up, uh, uh, you know, or gets wind of this when Arioch, and, and you remember Arioch. Arioch comes knocking on the door. Ariok, I'm here to kill you. You know, so Daniel's, you know, kind of going, what's going on here? And, uh, and Ariok, you know, comes to the door and says he's, you know, you're scheduled for execution. When would you like? Would you like 9 a.m. or 11.15? Those are the two slots I have opening. You know, it's kind of one of those odd things. And Daniel finds out what's going on. Daniel says, hey, can, can you get me to the king? Can you at least do that for me? And, uh, you know, so Daniel somehow makes it before the king and, and says, you know, I have a God that can help you. So the king is slightly amused and gives him the night. So Daniel and his friends, as Daniel leaves, he goes home to his friends and they start praying. And, and you know, and, and by stopping and praying, you know, Daniel and his 19-year-old buddies here are our role model for us of what to do in difficult situations. When we get in difficult situations, we should gather around with other Christian friends and pray about this, to so stop and pray. So quickly, let me say this again. If you don't have someone to pray with, then you need to find somebody. And, and last week we talked, or, or two weeks ago, we talked about a lot of the reasons, and, and you can grab the DV if you, if you, I mean the CD if you weren't here. But it's really important for us to have people that we can go to and pray together with. Um, so let's jump into verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So Daniel sits down after getting this revealed to him, and he writes a song to God. Not only is he talented, but he writes also. Don't you hate these type of guys? You know, they can just do multiple things very well, and you're just like, man, I wish I could do that. I mean, Jim and Randy and other people, you know, play guitar. I, you know, I've tried a couple times to play guitar. I even got a beautiful guitar back here. I just cannot do it. These multi-talented people, I, you know, you're just like, ah. So Daniel's one of those multi-talented guys. Praise be the, to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power of His. He changes the times and seasons. Do you realize what Daniel is saying here? He lives in a country where they look to the stars, they look to the sky, the animals, the seasons, uh, for all sorts of signs from God. But God is the one who ultimately changes the seasons and discerns the future. And God is the one who changes things on earth, global warming or global cooling. It doesn't matter. God is in control. He is in charge. It says here, he sets up kings and disposes them. Well, now we're talking about politics. And I think I'll just leave that one alone. 
He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. You know, sometimes the wiser, I mean, the wise get wiser and those who have knowledge get smarter. And then sometimes he just literally reveals stuff to us when we go to him. That is so cool. He knows what lies in the darkness. So it's not dark to him. So we don't have to be afraid of the darkness. And I'm not just talking about nighttime. There are dark things out there in this world that we look at and we start to getting afraid, especially for those that have college kids or, or those that have kids, you know, uh, Donna and Ken, you know, they, they just had a, a son that just got married and you can almost be afraid, you know, he, he's out there on his own in the real world, world. He's starting his life with his new wife and they're dark things. We don't have to be afraid of those things because it's light to God and the light dwells within him or with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what, what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So by coming up with this song, Daniel demonstrates for us what we should do. Right when, when God is working out the problem for us, we should be getting less busy during this time. You know, God is, God is on it. So you can take a Diet Coke break, or you less educated people would say a coffee break. You didn't like that one? <laughs> okay, so I like Diet Coke. When we see evidence that God is in the middle on the problem, that God is, is on the problem, we need to take a break for a second. You know, sometimes around here, things need to be decided upon, and people are going, well, why don't they make this decision? Do they not see that this needs to be done? And the reality is, yeah, most of the time we're waiting on what I call the God factor. We're waiting on, you know, God to be in the middle of this. God to talk to us about who should be taking over that or who should be doing that. Uh, you know, we're waiting because, you, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't recognize something that needs to be done. It's just that we need to do it in the right timing. And when God, uh, when we recognize that God is doing something, we should pause and say, look at that. Right there. God is doing that. Give praise to God. And it helps keep our egos in check, too. So the main point of Daniel 1 and 2 is this. God gave Daniel wisdom, ability, and knowledge. He knew what to say and when to say it. And the greatest of all human wisdom is that it pales compared to God's wisdom. Think about that for a second. It pales compared to God's wisdom. The beauty of Daniel is this. He is already a talented guy and submits to God. And when you have talented people and untalented people submitting to God, God can do miraculous things. God can do amazing things through them, and he uses them. James writes about this in the New Testament. Daniel asked for wisdom here in the Old Testament. And James writes in James 1.5, If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if you lack wisdom, if you're in the middle of a situation where you're sitting going, I, <laughs> I don't know, ask God. He gives generously. Ask of God. Well, um, well, he's, uh, well, he's too busy. My thing is really silly. I mean, my, my thing is really just kind of, he doesn't need to know about that. A lot of times that's our attitude. Unfortunately, that is what we believe. But it is wrong. Our father is fully capable of multitasking. A good father can handle the multiple needs within the family. 
Now translate that to God. God can take care of all our needs. He can listen to all of us at once. God gives generously and without fault. Now we think that we cannot go to God and ask for help sometimes. Because we, maybe we haven't talked to Him in a while, or, you know, I feel guilty, therefore God won't help me. Those are really two different issues. One is that God gives us wisdom, so much so that He does it generously. So He can compartmentalize rather well. So much that He will give us the wisdom that we ask for. And He'll deal with the other stuff later. He'll deal with the sin in our lives later. Don't allow the devil to whisper in your ear, Hey, you know what? You haven't tithed in three months. You can't go to God. You can't talk to God. And, you know, I say tithe. Put in whatever. You haven't gone to church or, or you haven't done your Bible study. You haven't done whatever. You, you haven't prayed with your friends. You haven't, whatever that is that keeps you from going to God, the devil will come to you and say, You can't go to God because you haven't done. What happens is we start to isolate ourselves at that point. When we isolate ourselves, we start to, to do other things. I'm just going to sit here and wait and see how long, they, uh, you know, how long it takes for them to call me. Do they even recognize I'm gone? And we start playing those little games, you know, or, or we start trying to solve all our issues ourselves. Have you ever done that, you know, trying to solve all your problems? Well, it didn't, didn't work for you last time, did it? What makes you think it'll work for you this time? The same thing. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there going, well, I can handle this. And I'm sitting there going, well, last time I didn't do that very well. What makes me think that I can handle it this time? That's why we need to put the God factor in there. So Daniel's hanging out in the wisdom of God because he wants to be wise in the Lord and not man. If you want to be worldly wise, hang out with the world. It's an easy thing to do. If you want to be godly wise, hang out with God and God, God-like people, people who, who confess and not only confess, but try to live out their lives in a way that reflects their belief in God. Now, a side note of this is, this is a very happy psalm that, that Daniel writes here. I can't imagine why, since it's really going to save Daniel's neck, you know? Because God's answer could have been, well, Daniel, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I think you should be a martyr because, you know, your martyrdom would help me out, uh, would, would help the kingdom out a lot more than you going and interpreting this. That could have been God's answer, and it would have been a legitimate answer for that time. Whatever God, because God ultimately is the one in charge. He has a plan for each of our lives here. But Daniel submits to him and God allows him to know the dream. Verse 24, it says, Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. Daniel saves not only his life, but also the other wise men's lives. Guys that he totally disagrees with theologically. Guys that he would have said, well, they deserve this. They don't believe in the true God. Yet Daniel saves their lives also. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once. Now I thought this was ironic. Daniel's friends are not with him. His friends' lives are on the line also. And they have to trust in Daniel. Have you ever been in this position? where you had to trust somebody else, in a sense, with your life or your job or or, or your future? Hmm. You had to trust a surgeon or or maybe trust a lawyer? It's it's very difficult to trust a doctor when he says, well, we we could go this route and we have a 70% chance 
Or we could go this other route. You know, it, it, it works really well, but, you know, the chance is not so great. What do you want to do? And we're like, um, I don't know, nothing? You know, the, the doctor's just kind of throwing it in your court. You have to trust sometimes. Verse 25, it says, Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Now, the funny thing is to me is Arioch takes all the credit here. Did you notice that? Daniel says, take me to the king. I can do this. I can do this along with my God. And Arioch shows up and says, I have found a man. This is his introduction. I have found a man. And you're lucky to have me on this team because I'm the one that found him. And you notice that Daniel doesn't say anything. He doesn't contradict Arioch in front of his boss. Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise men, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. He's basically saying, They weren't lying to you, king. You shouldn't have threatened them. No man was able to do this. But then Daniel says, But there is a God in heaven. Now you remember in chapter 1, it said, you know, we, we got, but Daniel purposed in his heart. He decided in his heart how he was going to live his life at a young age. At a, you know, at that age of about 15, 16, he purposed it in his heart to live for God. And then in chapter 2, we get, but God. And the rest of the book, we will get, but God. And then it'll go on and it'll say, but God. And then it'll be, uh, you know, another story in here about Daniel's life. And then it'll say, but God. But there is a God in heaven. So in order for the problem to be solved, we first need to talk to who? We need to talk about this God that I serve, Daniel's saying. One God, a God. See, Nebuchadnezzar is polytheistic. He believes in multiple gods. And Daniel's saying, a God, one God. And where is this God? In heaven. Not a God on earth. Remember, these guys look to the heavens for their gods. So Daniel saying, hey, there is a God out there who can do this. He who reveals mysteries. Now, did you notice he doesn't say, you know, he doesn't reveal his name. He doesn't call the God Yahweh. He doesn't call him, call him Jehovah or, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't call, call him the God of my fathers, even though he just wrote it down in the psalm that he praised God with. But since he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar, he refers to, to, you know, to God in a way that piques Nebuchadnezzar's interest here. A God in heaven. Huh. Tell me more. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's automatically going to go, well, what are you talking about here? Tell me about this. This is what is so amazing to, you know, to Daniel is that he knows who he's talking to. He even changes how he talks based on who he's talking to. It kind of reminds me of Paul in the New Testament. I'm not going to go there, but we see Paul do that over and over in the New Testament. Changes how he talks, not who he is, not what he believes in, but how he talks depending on who he's going to. See, we tend to talk to everybody in the same way and expect them to adjust. You know, I'm just straightforward, so I'm just going to say this. Or, you know, I just don't beat around the bush. And we don't understand that sometimes how rude we can come across or, or how difficult we can become because we just talk to everybody and expect, oh, well, they need to know my personality. They should adjust. When sometimes the way you say it changes everything. 
You see, Nebuchadnezzar is not interested in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He conquered that country. That's a lesser God in his mind because he took over Israel and Judah and, 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 and the northern kingdoms. He doesn't know who these people are. So when we go out and we share Christ, we can't do it the same way with every person. Daniel just says, there is a God in heaven. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, well, I know a bunch of them. And Daniel goes, no, no, no. There is not a bunch of them. There is a God. But he doesn't say it like that. He makes a really cool statement, knowing the king would be interested in it. Now, another thing I noticed here is that Daniel could have set himself up pretty well, knowing that the king is going to be very happy here. He's going to translate this dream. He's going to interpret this dream. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to be happy. And he could have said, Hey, king, before I tell you this information, can we discuss a few things? Can I get a get-out-of-jail-free card? Because in chapter 3, he's going to need that get-out-of-jail-free card. And he doesn't get it here. He could have totally set him and his buddies up. But he doesn't think this way. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the, very, and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries, in other words, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though it is, he's just not saying it like that. The revealers of mysteries shows you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. He's saying here, I'm not as smart as you think I am. You think I figured this all out, yet it was revealed to me so that God could connect with you. And in the middle of the night, God called out, and for some reason, you, you, you kind of connected with God there. And he finally got through, but it's in a different language you can't understand here. It's this dream thing. Now, have you ever got a call like this, you know? You get a call on the phone, and, and it's a person from a different language completely, and you try to tell them it's the wrong number, but they keep calling back. And you're like, no, you know, pick out a name. They're not here. And they call back and they're in a different language. You're sitting there going, you got the, you, you're, you're trying to communicate, but you can't. It's the same thing here. This is the call that, you know, that God connected with Nebuchadnezzar, and he wants to know what God is saying. So Daniel says to the king, I'm not that special. This is between you and God. I just happen to be around to help. I just happen to be around to translate this. And the king will want to bow down and worship Daniel. And Daniel's saying from the beginning, this is not about me. And Daniel will take the promotion, but he makes it clear that this is from God. I mean, can you imagine this? You're about to give a presentation, you know, for, for a company somewhere and big wigs have flown in or you, maybe you've flown to there and, you know, and, and you're like, you get up and you're like, um, uh, okay, is this, is this the mic? Okay, good, good, good. Well, good morning, everyone. Can, can you hear me back there? Can you? Okay, good. Got the mics situated. I have a PowerPoint and some handouts. Did everybody get the handouts? Okay. Hey, can we get some handouts back over there? They need some more. Okay, I know you've heard of me. I'm an expert in this field, and, 
And, you know, but listen, before we get started, can I just say on a personal note that actually the stuff that I, I'm about to share with you is just really fantastic. In fact, it's, it's absolutely going to turn this company around. But I need to say this from the very beginning here that, you know, all your jaws are just going to be on the floor and, and, you know, you'll be falling over and you'll want to give me a promotion and, and, and I will take it. But before I impress you beyond belief, I want to say this. I didn't think of any of this. No, no, no. I, I, I'm serious. I was kind of sleepy last night, so I just went to went to bed early. And while I slept, you know, God gave me the whole vision. In fact, including the PowerPoint, I just woke up and it was on the computer. And I actually rolled over and slept a little bit longer and went to Starbucks. I couldn't find a Diet Coke, and you know, then I came to this to present this awesome presentation. So, so I just want to make it clear this morning that that I'm just an idiot. Okay. Are, are we clear here? Good, let's get started. You see, God is trying to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention through a dream. And God could have used so many other methods. But God uses a dream to connect with Nebuchadnezzar for one reason. Nebuchadnezzar already believes in dreams. It is that simple. God is going to take something that this powerful man already believes in. Because our God is so amazing. It reminds me of Moses and Pharaoh. He used all the different plagues to talk to the Pharaoh because Pharaoh understood those plagues because those plagues represented Pharaoh's gods. He uses all sorts of ways to talk to us. And it's the same today. For some that are really smart, unlike me, you're really into to mathematic, mathematics, and you think mathematics are going to save all the world's problems. God will talk to you through mathematics. If you're in a creation and, and you, you love going to, you know, going to the ocean or going hiking, God can talk to you through those things. He can show who He is, His personalities, His wonderful creation through those things. But we don't worship the creation, we worship the Creator. If you're into cooking... God can totally talk to you through cooking. I mean, think about all the different types of taste and food out there. And you realize He just doesn't provide because we could just be provided bland food all the time. God provides amazing different fruits and vegetables and meats and different things for us. He makes it interesting also. See, God wants us to have interest outside of our work, but God also wants us to have interest in our work. You know, we seem to have a thought pattern that, you know, for the 40 to 55 hours a week that we work, you know, we just earn enough money so we can one day hopefully retire. And the government doesn't take it all. I mean, that's our thought pattern, right? No. God wants to connect to us during those 40 to 55 hours a week. He wants to talk to us on our job, off our job. He wants us to live our lives that reflect who we believe in 24-7. And not just on the weekends, not just when we, we, we finally get time or we finally are able to relax. Daniel and his friends prayed, and God came through on three things with him knowledge, wisdom, and ability. Three important yet very different components to situation here. Knowledge is accurate information. In our day and age, we're overloaded with knowledge, aren't we? We're just totally overloaded with it. And even if we could, could totally understand it all, 
we would still be lost without the second thing, the wisdom. We would be lost without the wisdom. It's great to have knowledge, but if you don't have the right knowledge and act upon that information, it turns into what? A big mess. Whether it's a relationship issue or an issue in regards to a decision that needs to be made, we have to make sure we have the right knowledge before we move on. We need to make sure we have the right facts. But Daniel goes beyond that because he goes into wisdom. He keeps using the word wisdom. You can look back in the first chapter, and, and from this point on, he will keep using that word wisdom. And what he's saying here is, you gave me the knowledge, now give me the wisdom to know how to use that knowledge. See, wisdom is the correct usage of information. Wisdom sorts through the haystack and, and finds that needle, that one thing that makes a difference. It's so important because we're in this day of information age. And, and the reason why I ask people not to forward me, uh, you know, I call it junk mail. A lot of times it ends up in the junk mail folder. But, you, you know, those forwards, uh, you know, they get forwarded and forwarded and forwarded and forwarded like 16 times. I ask people not to, to forward that to me that often because I'm the type of person who will look at it. And ever so often, I'll actually research something out. I'll go, well, is this really true? And I'll go find out. And sometimes on occasion, I don't know if this is wise or not, since we're talking about wisdom, I'll actually hit reply all and say, guess what, guys? I appreciate this information, but it's totally incorrect. If you go here, it will tell you why it's incorrect. So don't do that because you might get one of those reply alls for me. But what I'm saying is we just accept stuff and say, well, yeah, this is information. Everybody needs to know this information without, you know, accurately going, okay, is it wise to send this out? Is it truth? Having the wisdom enough to say, is it true? It's almost like we have too many choices today. It's almost like we get too much information. I almost envy those in the past that, that didn't have so much information because we almost get like log jammed up. But wisdom starts to, to help us sift through that pile and says, this is the piece of truth. Now, one email that I've gotten several times, and, and no, I haven't gotten it lately, but, you know, I love this one. It's an email about Diet Coke. And, you know, people see me at those, you know, Diet Coke, and they just think it's so evil. And they're like, well, you know, I, did you know there's an ingredient in Diet Coke to, that they use to kill, you know, roaches and bugs? It's in, it's in the bug spray. If you look at the ingredients, it's on the same. Therefore, it's wrong to drink it. Well, there's a kernel of truth in that statement. There's a chemical that is in both of those, you know, both of those type of things, Diet Coke and bug spray, okay? But the problem with the whole thing is I would have to drink 200,000 cans a month for months on end before it would have the same effect. So, but we take, we attach onto something and say, well, this is the truth without finding out whether it's really true. We take something like this and we see a person drinking Diet Coke and we go, that's used in bug spray. It's so bad for you. And my answer to that is do your homework Don't before you say something like this. Now, okay, I, I know. I really used a really just asinine, dumb example, you know, uh, uh, to, to bring this forward. But put it into an important situation. Cancer. Well, I heard this. If you do this, you won't get cancer. Or if you do this, it'll cure your cancer. And we go, okay. You see what I'm saying? We have to know the truth before we pass on information. So when we gather knowledge, 
and we think we have the answer to something, we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've done my researching, and this is the part where the wisdom comes into the thing, you know? Knowledge is great and it's crucial, but knowledge without wisdom just piles up, you know, it's like truckloads of, of building supplies. They just deliver it to the lot. We don't really have plans. We just have all the information. We just, okay, let's just start putting it together without any plans. It just doesn't work. Now, the third part of this is ability. Daniel praised God for giving him wisdom, knowledge, and ability. Ability is, you know, adequacy and competence. Ability is knowing what to do with the knowledge and the wisdom. It is where we actually act upon, uh, you know, act upon it in a way that's beneficial. It is not just about being smart. You can have a really high IQ and still be dumb in in how you do certain things. There's a lot of facts out there that can show others how intelligent you are. I I have this book on my shelf because I I remember odd things, just really odd. And my my wife, for one Christmas, gave me this book, and I don't know how wise it was, but she gave me this book. It's called The Book of Useless Information. And you can use that useless information to show people how wise you are. And everyone else just kind of rolls their eyes. See, adding wisdom to that would get an intelligent person, and I'm not saying I am, but it would get somebody highly intelligent to go, okay, I need to either talk to somebody else who understands what I'm talking about or need to keep my mouth quiet for a while because it, you know, what I'm about to say, it has no bearing on anything. Daniel is a great book for us, you know, for helping us understand knowledge, wisdom, and the ability thing. Daniel is one of the few historical figures in the Bible who never let us down. You know, we love Peter. We love, you know, all the disciples that we talk about how they messed up. And, you know, Saul, who, who became Paul, you know, he just really let everybody down, let God down, but God changed him and all. Daniel's one of those, those historical figures that never lets us down. You can also read about it in the book of Daniel that, you know, he probably, he probably had with him in Babylon a book written by Solomon called Proverbs. And most of the Psalms written by him and Ecclesiastes. Isn't it amazing that Daniel read some of the same books that we read? Or at least say we read? So we go, okay, God, I have a problem. What should I do? And God says, I'm going to try to develop in you a well-rounded wisdom. So I'm not just going to give you the answer to the solution. See, God wants us to develop us just like a muscle would. You've got to work it out. We receive the, you know, the knowledge, and then we pray for the wisdom about how to use it. Basically, what we're doing is praying for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we combine all these things with the knowledge that we receive and the little knowledge that we already have, man... What a Christ-like person I could be. What a Christ-like person you could be when we combine these things into our life. So we go to God and say, Lord, I don't want to just be smart. I want to be wise. Here's the question of the week for you. What's the difference between being smart and being wise? Because really, they're, they're not anywhere close to each other. What is the, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. 
I know some really smart people who are not wise at all. I know some really wise people who are not smart at all. And they get that wisdom from the Lord. We have so many challenges in this life. Imagine if we really took this to heart, to not only know the facts, not only learn about God, but implement those and be wise in using them in our lives. See, biblical wisdom is an accurate knowledge of the correct facts blended with self-control, awareness of timing, persistence, experience, and group dynamics. It's a humility-correct self-talk. A biblical wise person lives a lifestyle where we regulate our personal mood swings and, and delaying meltdowns and even celebrations to the appropriate time. Do you know that wise people have meltdowns? And you're sitting there going, well, I've never seen them. They just don't melt down in front of you. Wise people do pat themselves on the back. They just don't always pat themselves on the back in front of you. See, wisdom knows when to do it. Wisdom knows when to delay gratification or, or control you know, ill-tempered, impulsive behavior. See, when you were nine years old, impulsive behavior was okay. But when you're 39 years old, not okay. Now, who do you think the Holy Spirit is talking to in this room? Well... How dare you, Alan, talk to us about impulsive behavior. Look at your own life. Well, great. Let my life be an open book to you. And I'll tell you about the regrets that I have when I've been impulsive. But after we focused on me long enough, (laughs) we start focusing on you a little bit. See, we can all take this to heart and go, Lord, give me the, the knowledge and wisdom and then the ability to do these things. Daniel's wisdom was not so much learned in a book. It was developed in a relationship with God because Daniel played for an audience of one. He didn't play for the audience of the king. He played for the audience of the real king. That's who Daniel played to. And at the end of the night, he was okay when he laid his head back down. We know that Daniel did not let the circumstances control his behavior because we know he's playing for a higher audience. And if he knows that God is pleased with him, then he's cool, no matter what everybody else thinks. No matter everybody else going, well, I would have done it this way, I would have done it that way. Well, f- gosh, why'd they do that? Why'd this person do that? Why, why do, you know, the principal do this? Why do, see, Daniel's sitting there going, I'm okay, because God is okay with me. And this is where we've got to be. Because if you're going to live in Babylon, and we've talked about that we live in a world that that we could accurately call Babylon, it is time to get the armor on. It is time to get the wisdom on. It is time for us to stop fooling around. Time to stop making excuses for immature and foolish behavior on our part, or even sinful behavior on our part. If we don't do that, then all we're doing is assimilating into Babylon. All we're doing is becoming just like the world. We may go to church. We may learn about God. But unless we we take that knowledge and apply it with the wisdom that we ask God for and then the ability to implement it into our lives, it's all for nothing. When no one can tell the difference between you and Babylon, and most of the time you won't even know the difference between you and Babylon. You see, that this is why this is so very important. 
We need to, need to start praying to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that He would work in us, each one of our lives, speaking the language that we can hear in the way that He can communicate with us. Just like He's communicating through a dream to Nebuchadnezzar, God can communicate to you through the things that you understand to the point where we feel inspired and we're ready to go. And then we say to God, okay, what do you want me to do? And He'll tell you. He'll allow that wisdom to be implemented into your life when we submit to Him. That's what Daniel did. This is just a great book to be studying. And I want to encourage you, if you're not taking the things that you're learning about God and implementing them in your life, you're totally missing out. Totally. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we get to a point in our lives where we realize that we can be a Daniel. When we start submitting our lives to You, You will take the knowledge that You've already given us or You're ready to teach us and You will give us the wisdom of knowing how to use that knowledge. And then You'll say, let me show you how to apply that to your life. You've given us the components. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us. And I pray, Lord, that we start allowing ourselves to, the, the time to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. So often, Lord, you want to communicate with, to us. Yet we're so distracted we won't listen. I pray that you help us listen, Lord. I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you. That the Lord's face will shine down upon you that you will see the wisdom, that you will see the knowledge that He is giving you, and that you will do something with that. May His face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.